when the enemy comes in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord will raise up a standard. The problem we have, this isn't my sermon, but I'm giving you some nuggets so you can just take it with you. Y'all ready? The problem we have is everybody wants to pull out the inner tube and go tubing in the flood. Oh, the flood's here, let's just sit down and just coast down the river with it. If the Spirit of the Lord will raise up a standard, get off the tube and climb up to the standard he's raising. Come on. Come on. Uh, did you bring the shoes? They're called steel toes, not the easy toes. Uh, easy toes, that's funny. Uh, I'll laugh at myself. But the thing is, is too many times when the enemy comes in like a flood, it says that the Spirit of the Lord raises up a standard. So here's the reality. When things happen in your life, Man, this is not my sermon, but when things happen in your life, there is a way out. Always. Look for the standard. And before you look around, you just got to get in the mirror and look within. Because if the word of God is true and he lives in you, then the standard's inside because his word doesn't go void. But for some weird reason, we want to look to somebody else and Sister Tacky Mouth and, you know... Gossip Gary over here, and he's just going to tell us. That's not my source. It shouldn't be yours. Put the magazines down and get to him. Okay, I'll preach. Um, I know. I, I need to write it down. <laughs> Woo! That's what I've been just stirring in my spirit. Too many times. You, you might hear a sermon about that. About going to them. I'll just leave that alone for now. Let that just sit in you. Tubing's cool and all. But when the enemy comes in like a flood, I don't want to be any part of that tubing. Not at all. This ain't a good time. This is a standard time. It's a time to pull people up out of that, that flood. Raise them to that standard of who God is. Not them pulling you down. Pull them into the sand. The problem we have with Christians at times is they'll, they'll get focused on somebody down and it pulls them down because they're, they're not securing themselves who God is. And then they're wondering why this happened and then they're mad at the church and the people that make up it. Listen, let me say it because it's been my soul. If you're mad at the church, you're mad at me because I'm the church. That's the reality because you've got to realize you're the church. And what are you doing? You got a haze over the screen so nobody can really see through it? What does that represent? Don't be mad at the building. What does this building do to you? It's a warehouse. Because you walked in, it became a church. This ain't no shrine. We can go into the barn and have church. All we have to do is get up and go in there. Okay, let's go. Yeah, you all scared. You know, I'll go. I'll be scared. This isn't traditional. Get over your religious self. Come on. Come on, man. God is up to something. And it's, it's, I think it's time that there's like this holy roar. Yeah. That the lions want to roar. Yeah. And like, there's a standard. Let's go. And it's not that you're pushing people away or nothing. But there's just got to be a point where you just say, listen, I'm going to live the standard. I don't care what people think. I don't care if it's family. I don't care if it's friends. i got to do what God calls me to do because His Word says it. Not because I want to put a God stamp on it and justify what I'm doing. I want to live the life that God's called me to live. And it's only found in the Word of God. This ancient gospel that transcends everything. Yes, is there a war going on right now? Overseas? Absolutely. But the gospel has transcended thousands of wars. Is craziness going on in our country with stuff? Absolutely. Scared <laughs> Absolutely. I ain't afraid of him, but it's shaking. Oh, but absolutely, but does he transcend that? Absolutely. Please believe if you think your hope is found in a Republican, you're awful. If you think it's going to be found in a Democrat, you're still wrong. It's only found in Jesus Christ, the king above all kings. No matter what party, you have to be secure in you, whether it goes which way. Jesus was a prime example of it. They're like, well, are you going to pay your taxes? And he said, well, give what belongs to Rome. Give it up. Jesus said that. So there was still conflict. 
But what did Jesus do? He still followed after God. He still followed what was right. You don't want me getting into that stuff. I'm not a political guy pushing agendas. I'm just going to push kingdom. That's all I'm going to push. That's the bottom line. There's some crazy stuff going on. But when the storm comes, don't get so jacked up in it. Know that the source is Jesus. That the storm doesn't have me. That I got Jesus in the middle of it. I'll be right in the eye of it. Knowing that he's my source through it all. Woo! I can't breathe. So all this little, yeah. it's not a little ranting, but it's the, it's, it's the truth. It's what the Bible says. And so I put a lot on it because I have nothing else to live by but the Word of God. So if anybody wants to shake it up and, and justify it and pull scripture out that's justified, please read the one before it and one under it and really understand what the Word of God is trying to say. Not to preach and tickle your fancy. Okay. You know what I mean? People do that. Well, because of this. No, read the whole thing. What was Jesus saying in this scripture? Not just to get you in this moment to think you can justify what you're doing because of this one part of the scripture. You know what I mean? Like, you've got to read the whole thing. I'm, I'm just going to live by the gospel. People are like, your church is non-denominational. Okay, whatever. What do you believe? It's real simple. Somebody got a Bible? Just hold it up. That's it right there. That's it right there. The whole thing. Nothing but the truth. From the front to the back, the maps will set you free. Because you realize, man, they walk a lot. <laughs> and we all struggle to get gas and go somewhere. <laughs> Might be good exercise if you actually get walking. Oh. Anyway, so. <laughs> but all of that goes back to this thing. If we're going to raise the standards, there has to be a way. And here it is. When the enemy comes like, like a flood, guess what happens? Guess what sucks us into the water? Guess what sucks? You know, like, if you get close to water that's moving fast, you know what that is? Unforgiveness. This is the Holy Ghost. Ooh, he's caught the Spirit. No, he didn't catch the Spirit. He calls it slip. He's going to the water. It's the same Spirit. This is the water. And it's not the Holy Water. It's the, it's the enemy's flood. You got sucked in because of unforgiveness. Yeah, sucked in because he didn't want to do what God asked him to do. Come on. He's just, ooh, man, he's God's moving. No, is he moving on? You guys got to be careful with that, that Christian lingo stuff you guys throwing around. Let it be backed up by the Word of God constantly. Let it be challenged with the Word of God daily. Search my heart, O oh God. Daily. And so what happens is, is at times, unforgiveness will suck us into this flood. And it will cause us to do things because what? It burns in us. That's why we said, you know, we declare war and you see this, you're like, yeah, there is really a war. No, there's a spiritual war. And we're fighting against the enemy. We're going to make the stand. There is still a remnant willing to fight with the standard that God has set. We declare war with our words that we say. So, Dropping the F-bomb, forgiveness, that's what we do. Why? Because that's what his word says to do. Yes. If you don't do it, guess what? You're disobedient. Right. Yeah. I didn't want to hear that. I needed something that keeps me just kind of safe. You came to the wrong place today. <laughs> but isn't that true, though? People bounce around from church to church and hide. Because they want to feel safe. Why is it that only the church that people leave and never want to come back, but they'll still go to the same stupid drive-thru and get bored, and it's all messed up, and they still don't have the sneaky ice cream that makes you deep, but you'll try it again anyway. But, but one time the church does, feels like the church does you wrong, and you cut them out forever. And again, the church is a body of people, and people are born into sin that are human beings. More people that leave the church and call themselves Christians are hypocrites. Why? Because they don't want to live up to the standard of God themselves. Let me let me read a scripture so I can make this holy. The word is so good. 
I don't know about you, but I love the Word of God. Y'all watching crazy movies and stuff. I'll, 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 my mind is open to the Word of God. It is worthwhile. Well Matthew is probably the most powerful parable in the entire Bible. Jesus told parable stories to relate what he was trying to get across. There's modern day parables that people use. We do it a lot sometimes. I build stuff. I do stuff to try to make a point that God is trying to say. But this parable is probably one of the most powerful parables out there. Talking about the F-bomb. Dropping the F-bomb. If your mind is still focused on the other F-word, check yourself. <laughs> the F-bomb. Okay, here we go. Matthew 18, 21. In 28 or 22. Then Peter came to him and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him up to seven times? And Jesus said to him, Do not say, do not say to you up to seven times, but 70 times seven. Which is an amazing statement. Seventy times seven? Up to seven times, God? Which, when I think of this and Peter saying this, you've got to know who Peter is. Now, if you've been a part of church at any point of time, and if you're new, let me just give you just a quick version of who he is. This man is a mouthy man. He's hot-headed. He says what he wants. He does what he wants. He's going to make it known real quick. I'm just going to say it because i got to say it. You might know people like that sometimes. Just want to say it because i got to say it. Just because it's true doesn't mean that you have to say it sometimes. So he's asking a question. This is Peter. Peter's trying to figure out, look, do I ask? Is it seven times, God? And when I think of Peter's character, it's almost like, look, let's just be real about it. I've already asked him six times, but if I can just say, God, is it seven? Because I'm about to be done with this person. God, if you say it's seven, then, you know, I've already done it six times because I'm about to be done. I'm about to cut them out. Just say seven, God, please. Lord, say seven. Is it seven? I've already done it six. I've already said it six times. I mean, seven's a good number. Let it be seven. Do you see where this guy kind of can come from? Peter, like, I love it, man. I've already said I'm telling you, I'm about to bust him up. Like, Jesus, is it just seven times you're supposed to ask for forgiveness? I'm done. Is it seven? And, and what, what was going on is Peter was trying to put a mathematical formula on forgiveness. Peter was trying to put a mathematical formula on forgiveness. I want to talk to you today just for a little bit. I already been talking. I already been getting going on it. But I want to, I want to, on this, this thought. Do the right math. Do the right math. Do the right math. And this is crazy. I don't know if you're good at math. Anybody like me that's just not so good at math? I can do math. But when it gets to some other stuff, I'm just like, yeah, general math. That's my jam. General math. Freshman year, sophomore year, junior year. Senior year. How many times are you going to take that same math class? Man, I'm good at it. I can do it. I can add and subtract. And, and there's people that are really good at math. You can spit out some numbers and they're like that. They're good at that little math game where you try to figure out the numbers and those squares. And that wears me out. I, I, I'm anxious right now. I don't even know what it's called. Skadoosh? What? Watch your mouth. Okay. So, and, and there's people that are good at it, but what I want to I want to tell you is, it seems like everybody is really good at math when it comes to people hurting them. They keep count. You can be horrible at math, but you're real good at keeping count on who hurts you. I mean, people. You might not be the best, but man, when it comes to hurt, ooh, I got a list. I got to pull off the shoes and add the toes. I got the hands going. Like, I got numbers. I got numbers. 
And people are real good. They're like, you know, 14 years ago at 3 o'clock in the afternoon, time, place, and date, and they did this, and then they did it again. And three years later, they did it again. Can you believe they did that again? And it was almost around the same time they did that again. Like, something's wrong. Like, we can keep track and keep the mat on some crazy stuff. We'll know the exact time, the date, who it was, what the weather was like, how everything was going in that moment, because it felt so dramatic to you that everything stopped. Because it was a huge crisis. Kind of like if you think about the tragedy of 9-11, everybody can tell you exactly where they were when they found out. And when it comes to unforgiveness, people like to keep count, and they can tell you exactly what they were doing when it happened all kind of craziness like that. And here's the problem. The people who hurt you the most are the people you love the most, trust the most, and have helped out the most. That's the people who hurt you the most. And one of the issues and questions that we all struggle with when it comes to forgiveness is that what Peter was trying to get to? That's why he's asking, is it seven times? Basically, he's like, okay, God, what are the boundaries of forgiveness? What is the boundaries? Are there boundaries to somebody? Is it a place where you can say, get out of my life, you're deleted, control, alt, delete, goodbye, see a sucker? What is it? What's the boundaries? Is it biblical to even do that? Is it even right? Peter's like, it. Is seven, is, it, is seven enough? I'm on six. Is seven enough? What are the boundaries? And look, Jesus absolutely blew their mind like he blows our mind daily, especially when you read the word and you got to live by it. Because it becomes knowledge, becomes responsibility, and then you can't act like you're going to dumb it down. Like, oh, i got to take responsibility. Oh, he said to give 10% of my time. Oh, i got to take, I know. And people act like they're done. And they're like, well, here's five dollars. Like he's some, some homeless guy you're going to get to. Are you kidding me? Come on. Crazy talk. And, and people dumb it down all the time. And he's like, what is it? And he blew their mind. He's like, no, not seven times, but 70 times seven. I'm not great at that. But I can tell you that number is 490 times. Well, I use my calculator. <laughs> 490 times. Lord, is it seven? And he's like, ha, 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 ha. How about 490 times? 490 times. I don't even want to see it one time. You're telling me 490 times? Are you kidding me? You know, Peter, he had to have his head down and walk away. And probably the phone was You see those real old cartoons with that dog that can't talk and he just mumbles like that? <laughs> what is he doing? That's Peter mumbling like 490. You gotta be kidding me. You, Jesus, you can crazy that. That don't make sense. And he's telling him, look, you need to do that. And what, what, what Jesus is trying to tell everybody is he's trying to tell you this. Jesus is not suggesting a number, but he's giving you a new formula. He's trying to tell you, do the right math. You can never stop forgiving others. Regardless of how deeply they offend you or hurt you. Peter thought he would be presenting a generous standard. How about seven times? Is that good? Peter thought he would present that. Instead, Jesus ups it so much. No, not seven, but 70 times seven. And here's the point. I want you to get it. I don't want you to forget it. I don't care if you write it down. I don't care if you just put that in a memory bank. But here's the main point of what was being said. Forgiveness is not about keeping score, but it's about losing count. Come on. Come on. Forgiveness is not about keeping score, but losing count. He was changing it up to do the right math. Jesus is saying you can't start keeping score. If you're going to be a forgiving person, you can't keep score. It's not about keeping score. It's about losing count. Yeah. Listen, 
We talk about keeping things. This has been a while back, but Microsoft changed the world when they created the Excel spreadsheet. They changed the world. They changed the accounting world, basically. And basically what it is is they, they do columns, they have topics, they have clients, they have people, they put dates on the side, they have names, you have columns, and they have the amount they owe you, and it does the calculations and all this. Microsoft changed the world on accounting. All that stuff is all laid out. And I think sometimes what happens is, is we do, <coughs> we do our own Excel spreadsheet. We have our own spreadsheet on people that is ongoing in our mind. And I brought one. It's just an example. But I brought one for you today. On, on what it would look like. See, back in 2010, my parents didn't go to my ball game. So, Mom, you got to call them. Good job. <laughs> didn't show up at my game. So I was offended. It's just an example. But think about it. Uh, you know, when I really needed help, you know, my parents didn't really show up for me on that either. And I really needed some assistance or maybe I needed money or whatever the case was, but they didn't help me out, so they got themselves a call. I was a bit, I was upset, and like, if you help somebody else out, why aren't you going to be able to help me out? So guess what? Got yourself a call. Then you got friends. And this can go way back, and I, I just went from a little bit and just giving some weird examples. You know, I was real mad about my friend because he stole my girlfriend. <laughs> and look, y'all should be praising Jesus if your friend stole your girlfriend. Have you seen her online? She's crazy. Oh, <laughs> like, you should be thanking Jesus for that one. That'd be like, Say it, I'm over back. I want him back. No, thank the Lord he has yeah. set you free from that. Yeah. Imagine if you're married now and you you were with your at your girlfriend. If you're with your girlfriend right now. Man, I saw a girl I used to date. I was like, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> what was I thinking? Boy, that girl two times crazy. I don't even know which eye I'm looking at, but whatever. <laughs> I'm playing if she didn't check it us. Um, oh my gosh. He's all over the place. But too many times, you stole my girl, so you get you a home. <laughs> and this was when? 2012. <laughs> we ain't friends. <laughs> now I'm real mad because I found out some of my other people that I'm friends with on social media unfollowed. Right. Why would they unfollow me? What did I do? You get yourself a column too now. Now I'm keeping score because you don't follow. Everybody. Now look, we can be saying some weird stuff and some people don't, but I'm telling you, there's a generation of people who live by the friends request. And if you're unfollowed, you take it personal and it hurts. I'm telling you from example, I didn't think I'd get trapped up in that stuff, and I did, and somebody unfollowed me and followed the church, and I was tore up. I was like, what's the church to me? And guess what? I had to find forgiveness for myself. I had to get rid of the columns myself. Yeah. Oh, here's another one, friends. You know, I, I was looking online, you know, how we do our thumb things. You know how to get rid of all that? Chinese handcuffs. Just put them on, baby. Just save the world. Some of y'all don't even know what that is, but whatever. You'll figure it out. Look it up on Google. Chinese handcuffs for your thumbs will change your life. <laughs> I know people with messed up fingers because they, they eat and they're like, with their toes. Like, is that deep for you? Okay. But what happens is, is you're scrolling through online and, and you've got friends and you're like, oh, okay, 2020, I didn't even get invited to the party. Why didn't they invite me? Everybody else went. Why didn't I get invited? Oh, you didn't invite me to this or that? Oh, I see how it is. Oh, you got yourself a column too, And what we do, we slowly start to put it in there, and we mentally keep track. In 2020, they didn't invite me. That hurt. I thought we was friends. And then we got co-workers. You're mad because somebody didn't refill the coffee. It was, you know, it was their turn. I didn't refill the coffee. You know, I need coffee. I can't do nothing without coffee. I got to start coffee. Coffee, I need coffee. Do yourself a favor. If you're, doing, if you're the coffee person, you want to do something crazy? For two months, just do decaf and then flip it around. Do it. <coughs> Never mind. I'm a bad guy. Um, 
You're never going to do that again to me. But instead of dealing with it the way the Word of God says, we still keep the column, but we put up a wall around it. That's still not healthy. And then here's the problem. Then we, instead of doing the right math, we do the wrong math. And the wrong math is unforgiveness. And what it does, the wrong math is division. What is division? It separates and splits apart. So instead of doing the right math, we do the wrong math. We start doing division. We start separating and splitting apart. And you see that people separate and they split apart and they leave the church or they'll leave a relationship, they'll leave a friendship, they'll leave a work, they'll leave all kinds because they start, what does the enemy want to do? All he ever desires for you is to be separated. That's right. From anything that God has in store for you. And what does he use? And most of the time it starts with the people you know. Is this good stuff? Forgiveness is not about keeping score. It's about losing count. That's what Jesus was teaching. You have to do the right math because the different formula of math is it, it, a different formula. It doesn't make any sense. You've got to use the right tools. Jesus was giving us the right math in Matthew 6 on forgiveness. This is Jesus' words. Matthew 6, 14 and 15. It says this, if you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But, listen, if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. That's not my words. And some people that might go, that's Old Testament, that's New Testament. That's Jesus' testament. That is what the Word of God said. Jesus himself is saying, if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive you your sins. Guys, this is crazy, because this is a different kind of math. Do the right math. Here's the math. Here's the pattern. Here's the formula. Here it is. Do the math. It's what it means is, think about every time the Father has forgiven you on a daily basis, and then take that formula and apply it to that person you need to forgive. Every time he has forgiven you, and it wasn't that you didn't do it, you did it, and he forgave you, take that formula and apply it to somebody else. The second thing on forgiveness is this. Sometimes the best in us can only be brought out by the worst done to us. I'll say it again. Sometimes the best in us can only be brought out by the worst done to us. We don't like it, but it's the truth. And the best of you will never be released sometimes until the worst has been done to you. And usually, it's been done to you by people that you've loved, you've trusted, and you have helped out. And God never intended for that to destroy you. And it's not God doing it. It's people. But if you don't know it, the best will come out of you. Out of the worst people do to you, if you will allow it. There's something about unforgiveness that people say. Well, so once something happens and it's bad and it happens and you feel unforgiveness, they, they, they say this. They say, well, just leave it alone. You ever heard people say that? Just leave it alone. I, I've heard people say that. Time heals all things. That's a bunch of craziness. That is not true. That is not true. Unforgiveness doesn't get better if you leave it alone. Now listen, unforgiveness is not going to get better if you just back off and leave it alone. It doesn't get better, it festers. And an 
I'll say this, and you've got to think about this real good. Because, listen, you either fester unforgiveness or you foster healing. But you've got to do one or the other. Fester unforgiveness or foster healing. And if it's unforgiveness, you're festering it. You're going to get the worst. The bitterness, the ugly, the, the anger. Being angry. And here's what it is. Again, I'm giving you more scripture because it's, it's, it's the truth. And I'm telling you, it, it's dealing with stuff throughout time, throughout history. And here we are today. And here we got, we got Paul writing a letter to the Ephesians. And here we are. I'm reading Paul's letter to you today. This is ancient history here. But true. Ephesians 4. Here's the formula in how to release forgiveness. It says, get rid of all bitterness, wrath, and anger. Let me just stop there for a minute. Get rid of all bitterness, wrath, and anger. The first thing you've got to do is drain the damaging emotions of unforgiveness. Anybody sitting there thinking, I feel like I forgave that person. I feel like I have. I feel like I asked for forgiveness. I feel like I forgave them for what they've done to me. Man, I came up to the altar last weekend, or whatever the case is, or maybe I didn't because there's some stuff. I didn't take it to the Lord. I'm going to take it to my grave. Don't take it to your grave. I feel like I did. And let me, let me just go ahead and just lay it out here for you so you put it on a, a bar for you. If you're sitting here, and when you see or hear that person's name, or see that person, and their face comes up, and all you're thinking about of them, and your reaction, when you see that person or hear their name, is bitterness, wrath, anger, harsh words, let it be put away from you. Get rid of it. If, if when that name pops up or whatever has been done, nobody's taking it lightly, but if it does, you feel that in your spirit, in your soul. Let it be put away from you. You have to let it go. Another translation says bitterness, rage, harsh words, all types of mean behavior. And notice the next part of the verse. Verse 32. Be kind to one another. Tenderhearted, forgiving one another. Here it is. Here's the math formula. Ready? Forgiving, forgiveness is not about keeping score. It's about losing count. But if you know that bitterness and rage and the anger and all that stuff, when somebody that has hurt you comes to mind, you have to give it to the Lord. You have to give it to the Lord. And the only way to effectively release forgiveness, it's not usually some quick instant thing. The only way to release it is because it's, it's deep down inside of you. I mean, you can't, people think that it's like, oh, I got to release it, but how is that happening? It starts by praying and asking that God to give you the strength and, and to release the unforgiveness to the person that has done something wrong to you. And it's as wrong as wrong can be. Then you start praying and asking God to help you. And the only way is, man, we, we got to have the quick, let me, let me get my, my stuff out. I got it. You know how I bring stuff to church. You know I catch up? A little piece of ketchup. A little piece of ketchup. with Jesus. Here's a problem, though. Modern day, your generation, the quick fix. Just pop and squeeze. Oh boy. The modern day is the quick fix. I need the quick fix. And here's the problem with you trying to get your unforgiveness in your quick fix. You make a bigger mess. But isn't it like that with, with today? We want to just pop the top and squeeze. Man, I love ketchup. Some good crinkly fries with a little bit of the ketchup, salt and pepper. Make it. 
Make you want to smack your mom, or mom, I'm glad you got there. Don't Jesus. Thanks, Mom. Catch up on some hot dogs. Good big fat daddy like beefy dogs. Beef dogs. Rocks. Now some of y'all freaks, you put ketchup on eggs and after your mac and cheese. It's already cooked, it's got the stuff, why you doing more? But we want the quick fix. Well, that's not going to do unforgiveness. And it doesn't do anything because you really didn't get it all out. You just made a bigger mess. But that's what this generation, and not just this generation, because we want to blame Gen Z and Gen X. And where's the other one? Yeah, millennials. The millennials. Sound like something on Star Trek. Baby boomers. <laughs> We want to blame the generation, but because you live in today's society, you're no different than they are. You want the quick fix, too, because you find yourself mad because they're on social media, but your thumbs hurt, too. <laughs> you can't get it fast enough, either, to the drive-thru. Microwave's not even fast enough. When we all, not we all, but mom, you all. <laughs> when the microwave, mom would tell me the story about, like, man, when we got that microwave, we thought we was the Jetsons. You can't say that. Like, that's the Jetson, man. That, that stuff was like made up. That was cartoon and that was reality. Like, you don't know, son. Because look, I used to be the remote. I had to get up with that thing and stand there and hold the thing. Y'all don't know. You all, y'all don't know. Where's Netflix? Where's my, where's my remote? My God, where's the remote? You know, like, that's bad talk right here. Too brand new, my God. Uh, but too many times we want the quick fix and we think that the quick fix is going to do something incredible oh I got it out Ooh. and I hate to say it like this but sometimes when you come to the altar I'm like, who got that good I don't know that might just be the open you might just open the cap at the altar go home and keep on doing it you think it's a quick fix, but it's not. Because if bitterness and anger still is in front of you with those same people, it's still in you. That's right. And God says if you don't forgive, he won't forgive you. Right. Quick fix. Now, I got the, uh, oh, Jesus. I'm oh, sweating, so so I got the old-fashioned uh, ketchup. Anybody grow up on that? Oh, Glass ketchup? Yeah. Yeah. You know, so. uh, can I just give you something real quick? I know you got to get up on roast and all that. Cool. Uh, Don't worry. But, <laughs> look, I grew up like that. I want to be sitting around as a kid in church. You guys got enough camera. He's sitting there, you know, I'm jacking around, but I'm still here. But I keep hearing people around me, we all want for you. We get on roast before the Baptist hit that. You're hearing people all around you worried about food instead of eating the presence of God. That's how I grew up. Like, they love Jesus, son. I guess they love the food more than Jesus. But I couldn't find this bottle. There is not one glass bottle in the city at a grocery store. Promise. I looked. Because <laughs> it's like. And not really at the restaurant. Somebody said restaurant, but not really there either. I had to go order it from a you know wholesale place to get this bottle. And the glass bottle, man, was that's how it all was. Glass, like. You can all drink Coke out of a can, but there's nothing like drinking oh. Coke out of a bottle. Right. They had crack in that stuff. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> you want another one? <laughs> another one. That stuff was so good, and you still can't get it. But it, it, it's far between, and I'm telling you, they don't make these bottles like they used to. This, like, I, I want to open this, and I want to eat my fries with this so bad. And then sometimes I'm like, you know, maybe I should put it on the shelf because will they ever make it again? Then I don't want to be a hoarder like some of y'all. You know what I mean? <laughs> Someday, you know. 
Anyway, so if you go to Heinz.com, uh, you can do some research. I don't know about you, but just, I'm almost done. I am. I really am. If I bring Daniel up here, it probably makes me feel like I'm almost done. Oh. But if you go to Heinz.com, and before you go to Heinz.com, there's a show on TV. I'm not trying to like put it on and out there for everybody. But it's like the food that built America is a powerful show for me. Because I love, like, our kids just take it for granted. Like, what is, like, I just like burger. No, no, somebody had to create that. Oh, you see a slider from White Castle. You know what that was made? From anger. Absolutely. He made these little meatballs and he was mad. And the guy didn't want it because it was fully cooked. And he took the spider. Whatever. And smashed it down. And he looked down and was like, oh. So we started smashing them. We created sliders. Anyway, cool stuff. So I, I saw this on here. And I was like, oh. Oh, this is good stuff. So if you go to Heinz.com, and uh, Heinz.com, I don't know if you know this, and it says only 11% of consumers. Uh, know this, but I'm about to share with you, so you're glad you came today, so you can get this news. Uh, if you're one of those people, when it, I guess, comes to the uh, the bottle, the, the nice bottle, um, it is so hard at times to take the top off. And the reason, the reason it's so hard, according to the website, it says that the contents inside are under some tremendous pressure. It is so hard to get this open at times because there's so much pressure built up inside here. And also, the first step of getting it out and letting it flow is to open it up. And, and at times, it's, it's hard to do it. Now look, good luck with like doing that, especially like when you're, um, when you're hungry. You ever had to open something and you're hungry and you want it? You gotta plead the blood of Jesus, ask the, the Lord to help you, cast out the devil on the lid. Like, whatever the case is, you got to do whatever you're knocking, like you're like banging on it. And some people use their teeth. You got some strong teeth. I mean, I've seen some people do stuff like that. People are using their teeth. And then when you open it up, you're like, where's the butter knife? You know, you're trying to get it out, and you're doing all this crazy stuff. I remember watching my parents do that at times, get the butter knife in there. And Get it out. We didn't have hot dog buns, Dad. It was always just bread. Bread was bread for everything. You know what I'm saying? Like, you want a hot dog? Okay, here's a sandwich bread. You want a cheeseburger? Okay, here's a sandwich bread. You know, like, anybody live like that where it's just bread? Cool. And they started getting fancy. Dad's like, I ain't putting up with all those gimmicks. <laughs> and if you only would read the website, and the website is it's crazy because it, it, it's crazy because it's they purposely put the 57 in a position on, on the spot. And I can leave it up here and you can look at it later, but there's a 57 there, there's a 57 there, there's a 57 there, there's a 57 there, there's a 57 there. And you can't see it unless you're close enough to it. But they purposely put the 57 on the bottle. It's not, it's not squeezable, it's not. It's not just like, okay, grab it and go. It, it might take a minute. And listen, let me, let me say it like this. This is how forgiveness is. This is how it is. We have to get to a place. There's a lot of pressure, and the only way to get it out is to open it up. you got to get to a place where you're getting opened up. You have to open up. That's good. And Jesus is like this. So after you open up, they say, if you just tap and knock on the 57, where they put it, that the contents inside will start to come out. And in that like that though, ask. And you shall receive. And just keep on asking. Seek. And you shall find. Keep on seeking. Knock. And it shall be open unto you. But if it doesn't get, keep on knocking. Keep on knocking. Know the right spot. And what's the right spot? Prayer. Nothing said. <laughs> know the right spot that you're knocking. That's in prayer. Keep on praying. Keep on knocking. And you're like, God, 
person and I kill them. <laughs> you hear that? Come on. Come on. And Father, in the name of Jesus, <laughs> my knuckle hurts, but in the name of Jesus, <laughs> I'm knocking. It might take a minute. It might take a minute. It might take a minute. But how long should I forgive? Seven times? No, 70 times, 70 times, seven. I can't knock on this thing for 190 times. I'm going to have bloody knuckles in a minute. I'm going to bust them up. You know what I mean? But you're not. On that right spot, until the contents on the inside of forgiveness begins to be released. You knock, little by little, God begins to heal, He begins to restore, He begins to heal your relationships. And what's crazy is that, I know it's just a bottle of ketchup, but if you would just open it up, and let that pressure out and knock. It's not a quick fix. It's going to take a while. But I'm going to now, God. I want this over with now. Keep knocking. Come on. Keep knocking. And if you understand in Matthew, keep knocking. 18, 23-35, it says this. Jesus already confronted Peter. I'm on him kind of reading this story. But Jesus confronted Peter 400, he said 490 times. Let me, let me read you this small story because Jesus is, uh, if you didn't hear anything and you've heard me go off in so many ways and talk about this, if you didn't hear anything, hear this. Verse 23. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle his accounts with his servants. Basically, he had a spreadsheet, got columns on him, and he settled my accounts. And when he began to settle the accounts, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents of gold. But he wasn't able to pay. Hear me, church. This is a direct Reference to our sin debt that the King Jesus, to King Jesus. Direct reference to our sin debt that we're not able to pay. And the master commanded that he be sold with his wife and his children to make the payments. And this is what the scripture said. The servant therefore fell down before him saying, Master, have patience with me. He's repenting. And it says, I'll pay you back. Please, Lord. Please, Lord, basically. And the master of the servant, this is Jesus, was moved with compassion. Everybody say the cross. cross. Say it again, the cross. cross. Released him and forgave him his debts. Other servants 
servants who saw what was done and they were grieved and they told the king all that had been done. And the king, after he had called him, sent him again and said, you wicked servant. I forgave you all your debts because you begged me. Should you not always have compassion on your brother just as I've had pity on you? This is so powerful. 34. And the king was angry and delivered him to the, the torturers, the tormentors, or the tormentors, until he would pay his debt. And then it ends with this. This is Jesus. Or, yeah. So my heavenly father also will do to you if each of you from your heart does not forgive his brother his trespasses. Now I'm reading Jesus' words, and this is a hard reality to swallow. According to Jesus, it is unforgivable to be unforgivable. If you don't release forgiveness, you will not receive forgiveness. And there's a lot of religious people who play church. Go ahead, David, come on up here. There's a lot of religious people who play church. There's a lot of religious people who act the part. There's people listening to me right now who now do they play the part. I'm talking to myself. I'm talking to everybody here. I'll tell you this, church. I'm not going to hell for nobody. Uh, if you want to go to hell, go to hell. Some of you all the time you awesome. What the heck did you just say? Did you hear what I said, though? I'm not going to hell for nobody. I will extend forgiveness. I will do the forgiving. I, I don't want to get to a place where God says, I don't forgive you because you won't forgive him. I'm not going to hell for nobody. Some people are comfortable with that, though. No, no, look, the times will come up. The time will come. This is the word of God. I don't care what they did. Again, forgiveness doesn't mean that you you have to be in my life. But I'm not going to get bitter and angry and have a swamp of emotions towards people and have bitterness. You've got to drain the swamp. Keep knocking. Be kind. Be loving. It might take a minute. It might just take a minute. Keep knocking on that. It's right there. That spot is right there. Pray. Keep knocking until the contents of forgiveness and love begins to pour out of your mouth and your heart, your emotions, and your attitude. Keep knocking until it all pours out. Again, because if you don't, this is the word of God. Jesus said, your king will not forgive your debts. That's real talk. This is serious stuff. This is life or death stuff. This is eternal stuff. It's stuff that we cover up and act like there's nothing going on in our families. Stuff that we cover up with our friendships the other people around us and the truth is only Jesus and an encounter with Jesus can change our hearts only Jesus and here's what it is it starts with a service like this it starts with this service when you begin to hit that right spot quit playing games and just hit the right spot And, and, and what you need to say is, Lord, you know, I need to tear up that spreadsheet. I need to quit counting and keep score. I need to lose count. I need to understand that what they've done to me is just going to supposed to bring the best out of me. I need to remember that this main statement that unforgiveness will bring a harvest of unforgiveness from the king back to me if I don't. 
You want a harvest? There's two sides to that harvest. And I love this last scripture. Romans 12, 18 says, If it's possible, as much as depends on you, live peacefully with all men. I thank the Lord for that clause at the beginning. If it's possible. Anybody else thank the Lord for that clause? That clause? If it's possible. Which means some people, they're never going to be at peace with you. If it's possible, they're never going to be at peace. Let me say it again. I'm so thankful for it. As much as depends on you, if it's possible, as much as depends on you. See, he didn't say you get the option to forgive them. He said live in peacefully with them. But if they don't want to be a part of peace with you, Listen, church, there's some people that they're not going to be a part of peace with you. They're not going to be at peace with you. If it's possible. But all you've got to do is forgive them and be all right. Did you hear me? This is where it gets tough because some people want other stuff. Listen, you do the forgiving whether they want to live at peace with you or not. Can I put it like this? Can I just keep it real simple with the church as I close this right here? I'll say it like this. I'm at peace with the fact that you're not at peace with me. I'm at peace with the fact that you're not at peace with me. I've done what God told me to do with forgiveness. And I'm at peace with the fact that you're not at peace with me. Stand with me, church. I hope that today... I know it's a little buck wild a little bit. You know, I, it's just, God's working on me. You don't have the option to forgive. There's no option. You do it because His Word says it. I want to experience God's forgiveness in my life, and there it is. And here's what's crazy at times is people, people don't want to read that scripture. They just think that, oh, His grace covers everything. His grace has a point, too. Because the reality is, is Jesus is saying it himself. If you don't forgive those, you won't be forgiven. So that's real talk. I'm thankful for his grace. It's real. Well, I don't want him to get by with it. I don't want him to get by with it. So if I forgive, it feels like any way he can get by with it. The Lord says, vengeance is mine. Say the Lord. The Lord also, I will repay. The Lord also says, I will turn it around. And then the Lord says also that when I do, and when I release them from you, I will pour out a blessing on you that you can't control. Vengeance is mine. You do your part, let God do his. Let God do his. You remember Abraham and his brother? Abraham was a cool guy. But real quick, Abraham let Lot have all the good stuff and the inheritance and he took all the good land and left the bad stuff for Abraham. Abraham gave all the good stuff to Lot and gave him all that stuff. But because Abraham was a peacemaker, because he had the right heart, Lot ended up losing everything, including his family. And Abraham became the most blessed man in the world at that time. Only God can do that, church. Only God. Because God says, vengeance is mine. I'll repay. You keep the right spirit. I'll take care of everything else. Hear me. Hear what God is saying. You keep the right spirit. I'll take care of everything else. Forgiveness is a lifestyle. A state of the heart. It flows freely from your heart that has been forgiven. You keep knocking. It flows freely from the heart that has been forgiven. The process of forgiveness is not much about how, but rather about the why. And here it is. We forgive because we have been forgiven. We forgive.
good fruit. Church, I hope this helps you today. Because I'm telling you what, it sure helps me to know that the word is true and then there's some work to be done. And the process now, like it said, those people, if you got bitterness and all that, you've got to start doing that. I, I, I can't do this, guys. Listen. I can't do this. If, if this represents Daniel, I can't do this for Daniel. I'll knock for you, Daniel. I can't knock for Daniel. Daniel's got to knock for himself. And this is what this is like when we leave here today. Everybody got their own, like, forgiveness catch up. <laughs> okay, well, I'm going to open it up. Open it up this way first. <laughs> and you start knocking. And then let the Lord do the Let him pour out and let him do what he needs to do. If you don't forgive, he won't forgive you. That's what he says. That's what he says. I'll talk to you in a minute. That's what he says. So, I want to say a prayer with you real quick. Alright? We're going to pray. And I want you to just take this home. Not this. I mean, French fries. Um, take what I said home and really just ponder it. Just let it marinate in you. And ask God to rip up the spreadsheet. Start knocking. It doesn't mean it's a quick fix. Just let it, it, it's not happening. Maybe some of you have already started the process last week. You've been knocking. Let it be. God, we thank you for this. This time we've had. God, your word is true. And you did say vengeance is mine. And so you will take care of it. God, forgive us with these spreadsheets and these things from the past, God, that are holding us, God, and these columns we put on the people we love and, and even the people that have hurt us, God. God, I pray that forgiveness just rolls through them, God, that they release, God, and they, they forgive, God, because you want to forgive. Thank you for your word. Even though it's, it's, it's double-edged, man, it hurts sometimes. But we're thankful for your word, God. It's true. And it stands the, the, the test of time. Be with us, God, as we begin to drop the F-bomb. So our freedom is total freedom, God. That we have nothing else to worry about. Because you will take care of it. Because we forgive because you forgave us. That's what your word says. And we love you. Be with us. Protect us until we meet again. In Jesus' name.